today on another episode of the 35th and Jackson podcast. Having seen Corona just run through an entire organization so quickly, like the Marlins getting 17 players diagnosed in two days or three days. And yeah, I can be uh, a homer, whatever you'd like. That's that's fine. But I do think they go down there and find a way to win at the library, as Con calls it. I think Oregon State's going to put up 400-plus yards on them uh, in 35-17. to 17. I had a dream that night that we were playing Portland State at home, and we did a play action on the goal line, and Whitley ran out as a fullback, and we threw it to him, and he danced into the – I'm not even joking. That was my dream. All right. We are back again. Another edition of the 35th and Jackson podcast, the worst podcast in sports. Coming to you today is a fun edition with just Ethan Eugene Brought, Dr. Ethan Eugene Brought, MD. Not an actual doctor. And myself, Andy. Connor will be joining us later, we hope. That's nothing out of the ordinary. And Ryan is our producer. So thank you for joining us today. We've got some good things to get into. We've got another preview for you on the 2020 Oregon State football schedule, some news, and then, of course, uh, we got our segments that we like to work in as well. Before we get into everything, wouldn't be our podcast if we didn't mention a sponsor. This week's show is brought to you by Phil's Landscaping. Unlike his competitors, Phil won't come to you at your house You'll join him at his. Enjoy the bliss of a stress-free weekend by disconnecting from outer life entirely and doing yard work for the Taggers. Mention this ad or the fact that Champ Fleming should be a team captain in 2020 and receive a fun-sized candy bar of your choice. Phil's Landscaping. Avoiding reality can be productive. Connor, do I hear you on the line? Yeah, sorry. I didn't see the link. I was focused on uh, Andy's new mug shot. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, that particular piece of art, uh, we call a jovial predator. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Connor, for mentioning that. Uh, so let's get into it. Now that Con is aboard, alive and well, let's start with some of our news for this week. I'll give you the things that I found, and then I'm sure Brat and Con can fill in. Well, especially Con, he usually has some news that I miss. He, he likes to take a deep dive, which we appreciate. So let's talk about the news this week for Oregon State Athletics. The Pac-12 should be announcing a schedule here soon. I think they said originally, according to that article last week, that it was going to come out on the 31st. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, and then it sounds like with that, with what John Wilner wrote last week, uh, sources saying that they're looking at a 10-game schedule or if you're Scott Barnes modeling a 10-game scenario. Uh, and the Beavs are rumored to play Colorado, which I consider a, a nice break for the Beavs. Uh, some people might argue that. I already see Buff fans out there saying how it's a game they can win. Uh, you're sorely mistaken, but we'll get into that in another another show. So that's a good break for the Beavers. And uh, on the other side of the coin, the Ducks will have to face Utah, which is not a good break. And I know we ate our words last year in the Pac-12 championship, but I still like that matchup. I like Utah. So that is who the, both Oregon and Oregon State are rumored to play as a 10th conference game in this new scheduled 
format. So we'll see. We'll wait for that to come out officially. Next item of news, our boy Rajon Wright, brother of Nishan Wright, is going to star in the new season of Last Chance U, which I'm pretty stoked about. Season 5 of Last Chance U is now streaming on Netflix, so I'm excited to jump into that, and we might have uh, some thoughts and analysis of that as each of us take our time to watch it and uh, see what it's all about. But it looks, watch the trailer, it looks exciting, and I'm really stoked to have a beeb on there. I've always wanted that, and it'll make it a little more interesting here in season five. And then finally, there are no new positive tests again uh, amongst the Beaver athletes as far as COVID-19. So another week uh, with with good results as far as Oregon State is concerned and uh, even people, including John Wilner out there on Twitter saying that maybe uh, the Pac-12 should do a bubble and everybody should come to Corvallis to play. So I'm on board for that. Connor, what did I miss? Um, well, I'm focused on my fraud segment because I got a big okay. fraud segment <laughs> Perfect. this week, but you didn't miss much other than Oregon, University of Oregon, refuses to still report any <laughs> um, statistics on the coronavirus testing. And it's not just like, oh, they won't report, you know, names, obviously. They won't report anything. So kind of fraudulent, if you ask me. And there you go. Also, there oh. are some conferences, Big 12, I think, is doing this, that are kind of just saying F it and trying to schedule uh, other teams that maybe from the group of five that will play them. So they're still doing the out-of-conference thing. Um, and as Andy said, the Pac-12 is supposed to release their in-conference um, with the proposed games. I mean, this was a little treat about the proposed games just lined up perfectly with as Andy mentioned, Utah and the Ducks and then the Bees with Colorado. So it's just an interesting landscape. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. One and, uh, oh, I was going to say, and to that point, um, it, it's crazy with that. Some teams still playing non-conference and trying to, like the Big 12 and stuff, trying to get in the games earlier and leave themselves some wiggle room. So you could have the Big 12 potentially and some other conferences starting to see and play games on August 29th, whereas the Pac-12 wouldn't start till like September 19th. So like three weeks apart, which would be pretty wild. That would be interesting to see and be uh, – I'd watch a lot more Big 12 football than I ever watched in any year because of that. <laughs> uh, I was going to say you missed one news that just popped up. Uh, Oregon State has some number changes heading our way. Uh, oh, I yeah. Jefferson is now number six. That's old um, news, Brat. That was okay. weeks ago. Right. Not his fault, though, because Nick Deschel did just publish an article on it. So Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> and, and our favorite is Whitley going down to single digits. I know we talked about that one earlier, but I don't think we've mentioned it on the pod. That one's uh, one of our favorite, a single-digit defensive tackle. Uh, and don't, and don't forget why. Because he will be our goal line back in the Coletto mm -hmm. package at some point. Just wait. <laughs> so Just wait. I legitimately, I'm not joking, Andy. This is a real thing that happened to me. After we talked about that a week ago, I had a dream that night. I meant to tell you about it, but I had a dream that night that we were playing Portland State at home. And we did a play action on the goal line, and Whitley ran out as a fullback, and we threw it to him, and he danced into the – I'm not even joking. That was my dream. It was insane. Wow. 
It definitely is a dream because they won't be playing Portland State, and <laughs> there's no way that they would waste that on the Vikings. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> but it was amazing. a prophetic dream. I meant that. Yes, I forgot to but we do believe everyone on this show is in agreement that Jordan Whitley. Well, here there will be a Coletto package, Jack Coletto on the goal line, Jack Hammer package, whatever you want to call it. At some point this season, Coletto <laughs> at quarterback, <laughs> Isaiah Hodgins at fullback, and Whitley at running back. <laughs> and we will run a play out of it. You just wait, Beaver Nation. You just wait. All right. And then the last thing I want to say, yes, Connor, I'm glad you brought that up too, of the, the Ducks not reporting COVID cases. And there's rumors. Again, this is just a rumor. I, as, as producer Ryan would say, I'm just asking the questions. I'm just reporting what I heard, okay? So this isn't my opinion. I'm just saying what's out there. People have said they've seen Mario Cristobal and Aaron Feld kissing on campus. However, <laughs> however, they say that that is okay because they are from the same household. They do live together. Um, so that it shouldn't be an issue as far as spreading the virus. They are allowed, as any couple would be, in this environment so uh back off if you guys are upset or up in arms about that they can kiss because they live together it's no big deal all righty so that's the news we're gonna jump into it we've got another opponent preview for you uh we are now into the stanford week this will be a big one um right around halloween here and this is a pivotal game for oregon state for both teams really but this is a big game and, and we've alluded to it, talked about it before on here. Stanford has a 10-game winning streak over the Bees, and that is just unacceptable and echoing what I've said in a lot of these matchups. But Stanford's one of the worst ones. Again, it's been a decade since Oregon State has defeated them. So that needs to change this year. Again, our theme has remained true, Revenge 2020. Uh, that's what we're about here. It's going to be down there. The good thing going into this game is the stadium will be just as loud as it ever is because there will be no fans in attendance. You mean so. you mean the light? You mean the library, Andy? Yeah, exactly. So, the um, library. Refer to it only as the library. Now. Correct. So the 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 atmosphere will essentially remain the exact same as it is every other year. People will be knitting, reading books. Okay, so you take those fans out and you replace them with nothing. It's about the same, and uh, we always go back to this, but when taking a game in down there, I believe it was like 2014, Oregon State got an interception, and we jumped up, and the couple in front of us was literally reading books, and they were very startled by the sudden noise to where they almost fumbled the books out of their hands. So that's Stanford for you. So again, should it is a road game. It's obviously Stanford's proved to be a tough matchup for the Beavs over the years. But this is a good, as good a chance as ever to knock them off and get it rolling. I believe at this point in the season, Con and I have the Beavs at 3-1 and one under the new format. And Brat has them at 2-2, two and two, dropping this uh, game the week before to Cal. So still very much alive, still very much in the mix. Um, but it's going to be a tough game. You got obviously David Shaw coaches him up at head coach. Davis Mills, I believe, is going to be returning at quarterback. Trash. He he showed some flashes. He's all right. But my biggest note on this game, and I think you guys will be in agreement. And I shared this with Brought off the air. Colby Parkinson is gone. He's on the Seahawks now. So 
the Beavs should be able to find a way to win since he tortured them and them alone for the last three or four years, whatever it was. So there it is. I will let you guys get to it with your percentage chance that you'll give the Beavs in this one, as well as your final score prediction, and then I will give you mine. So have at it. Fire away, Brett. Uh, I was telling Andy before we got on the air, this might have been the most boring team to research. Good grief. Uh, last year, they were just injury riddled, went to four and eight on the season, including somehow beating us. And then it reminded me how boring that first half was for us last year. The Oregon State offense just did not show up whatsoever. Um, they beat I don't know us what to because say. of Choker and Hamilcar mm-hmm. jumping over the thing. That's yep. literally what happened. Yep, and then the kickoff return, we couldn't stop them before they went 50 yards in the yep. fourth quarter. Yep. Oh, yeah, and so what do the Cardinals have? They return uh, David Mills uh, as Costello follows Mike Leach off to Mississippi State. Um, Mills is fine, serviceable, was a five-star recruit. They have some other five-star recruit behind him that may actually get time. Uh, they return some of their offensive line, which was decimated last year by injury, um, and they're hoping to get back to their – run game because last year they just couldn't get it. In the last two years, they haven't been able to run very well. Uh, Cameron Scarlett, the local Central Catholic product, is gone. They return um, Austin Jones, who only had 200 and some yards last year. As the running back, they do return four of their five wide receivers, but as Andy pointed out, the only thing that's important is Colby Parkinson's gone. We do not have to watch him kill the beeves anymore. On defense, uh, again, mass transfers. Um, defensive tackles gone. Defensive ends gone, cornerbacks gone, all transferring to different schools. And the only player I even remembered uh, when doing my research was that cornerback, Adobo. I think that's how you say his last name. He's pretty good. I only remember him because two years ago, he's the reason the Ducks didn't score in the triple overtime game, I think it was, maybe quadruple. He had two pass defenses in the, on, on the goal line there. Um, and projected to be probably a, a day one pick next year in the NFL. Um, that's it. I mean, Stanford's, you play a boring team who plays a boring offense in a boring stadium. Um, I expect the Beavs to go down there and win. Um, I think the Beavs will take care of this game. Uh, Stanford's defense gave up 500 yards last year to Wazoo, uh, I think it was. They gave up over 400 in most of their games. I don't think they're going to be vastly improved. I think Oregon State's going to put up 400-plus yards on them uh, in 35 to 17. So, um, Brad already hit a lot of these things, <clears throat> but I'd just like to point out Stanford, all, all of their tight ends, they have no tight end under 6'4". Um, every tight end they have is six four and over, uh, so that's pretty interesting. Um, I'm surprised it's not under. They have any under six six. Yeah. Uh, the Brad mentioned the transfers, and they actually do. And this will be an interesting development. They do have a transfer QB that came in from Air Force. I, I he wasn't didn't do much at Air Force. Um, however, he he has a bunch of awards that don't matter in football but matter in life so that's good for him um but he could he could it just could be an element to their offense he was a triple option qb so i think they're going to be trying to kind of revamp a little bit um again with all the transfers and 
they'll, they'll probably be back. You didn't see them last year going that real power football that we were used to. Um, and they had KJ Costello transferred as well. Um, he was their starter, and Davis Mills was their backup, and honestly, horrible. I mean, not even good. I am sorry, but he's not a good quarterback. Uh, he had the luxury, again, as Andy likes to say, playing against Oregon State defense in the first half <laughs> that made him look amazing. So, you know, and then he did have Colby Parkinson that any of us could have just thrown it up. And, and oh, he did, he did a catch a pass, Con. He did sky over defending. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, <laughs> stop. That was one of the most frustrating games you have, as Andy mentioned, I, we, you will never see this again in, in college football, but a player literally had a stroke on the field um, <laughs> trying to intercept a pass, and he had a stroke. They had to medically – he had medically retired after that. Um, <laughs> and then in the same game, you see a play that is never – that is 50% of the time called, not even, where a guy jumps over the – field goal protect unit to try and block a kick and I mean, not only is it not 50 percent of the time called but i want to say 100 percent of the time a guy actually jumps over he blocks the kick but of course we did not block the kick and we got it called against us in a pivotal moment and that cost us the game right there um because it was it would have been a fourth down stop the guy shanked the field goal and then it gave them an automatic first down and touchdown and i think on that same drive is when our player had the stroke on the field that for the touchdown. So there's that for you. And I'd just like to point this out. This is a little weird. This is very Stanford-ish. Um, but I'm looking at um, their coaching staff right now. And the head coach, which it, it's called head coach in normal programs, but David Shaw's position is Bradford and Freeman, director of football. Willie, <laughs> Willie Shaw, director of defense, is, is their defensive coordinator. And then this is this is a fun one. I don't I don't know why Kevin Hogan is relevant, but here goes. Andrew Luck, director of offense, dash Kevin M. Hogan, quarterbacks coach, is Tavita Pritchard. So <laughs> I, I again don't know what to think of all that there. And then they just have normal ones like run game coordinator, offensive line, special teams coordinator. And then this is a, a couch family defensive backs co- coach. So, anyways, just look it up. And then, they, again, defensive line, running backs, just normal, like, you know, ones. But interesting, interesting that uh, they feel the need to uh, put about 10 things before just a simple head coach, you know. So, anyways, it's it's tough to say on this one. You pretty much do have a new quarterback. I, I mean, Davis Mills, I don't even know if he's going to start. Who knows? They could start the other guy. Is Davis Mills again is not good, so let's just call that for what it is. They do have a promising freshman coming in, five star probably. Uh, I think he's from Corona actually, that pretty high on him. But you're gonna see just a little again. I feel like a broken record saying it. Changing of the guard, a very young, unproven offensive coordinator in Tavita Pritchard. I mean, he's been there. He's been the OC for either one or two years. I don't remember. Um, so he he is at least not brand new. However, just with a new QB, young OC, it's it's tough to see them doing anything creative offensively. I mean, I think it's going to be the same old Stanford, which I think Oregon State's going to be a lot improved in the running game defense this year, um, especially with the return of their linebackers and, and as we've talked about that. So 
I think it's going to be a tight one at the library down in Palo Alto. Uh, I think, I mean, I hate to say it like this, but I think the Bees will win. Again, it seems like I'm a homer saying four and one now, but let's just say since I've been at three and one, I, I do think they're going to have a split at some point. So meaning two of the games that I think they could outright win if I was just looking at those games, I think they're going to split those games. So I'll just call this one a split to keep my record and say that the Bees will lose this one at the library. I'll be 11 straight, unfortunately. It'll be 24-21. Dang. At the library. Dang. Well, okay. All right. That's fair. You're, you're looking for losses. I it's choose to be, be optimistic. It's going to be an ASU-Stanford split. We're going to win and lose one of those games. That's just how I see it. Well, what do you have your final record at? We're not to that week yet, Andy, so I'm going to cancel out <laughs> okay. and save that for the fans. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to say, you know, we, we've got the breakdown, had the analysis, covered it, appreciate it, good stuff. I'm just going to keep it simple here. I I like the Beavers' chances here. I've liked them since the, the spring and when we solidified kind of – even before that, when we solidified the schedule, um, well, what we thought would be the schedule back then. But I I think they have a really good shot to go down and beat Stanford. And that does seem crazy, 10-game losing streak, I know. And – I don't necessarily believe in myself, but just looking at the rosters, looking at it on paper, which paper doesn't mean anything, but I do really believe in Oregon State's chances. And, yeah, I can be uh, a homer, whatever you'd like. That's that's fine. But I do think they go down there and find a way to win at the library, as Con calls it. I just, I just think this offense, again, with Lindgren and Smith, will be humming. They've got enough weapons to – Spread the ball around, keep the defense on their heels. Obviously, Stanford's defense is very disciplined, has been good for a long time. Um, and then I just, continuing with the theme throughout the season, I really expect a big improvement on the defensive side of the ball. And so I think Oregon State has what it takes to go on the road and pick up this victory and end the streak. So I'm going to say 50% chance the Bees win this one. Again, it's a toss-up. I, I get it. It's, it's not going to be a, a cakewalk. And then I'll take Oregon State 27, Stanford 24. And, yes, ladies and gentlemen, the Beavers will now be 4-1 and one on the season. So climb aboard, hop on before the train leaves the station. It's going to be a fun year if we actually end up playing games. All righty, so – there's our preview Stanford game that's a big one pivotal matchup circle it in red on your calendar moving ahead to our favorite segment well I don't know if it's our favorite segment Khan's favorite segment for sure and I think a good population of the listeners enjoy it or roll their eyes whatever the case may be people tune in for this one it is Flexing Frauds, where Con tells us who is being fake in the world this week. Connor, take it away. So I got quite a bit on this fraud, um, but I just want to make sure. Andy, you got nothing on Mario this week, or do you want to you want to comment on Mario? No, you can you can have it. That's that's your thing. Okay, just making sure. Just trying to 
trying to spread the wealth here, but <laughs> the uh, Mario's always our main fraud here. And so I was about to say, oh, our main fraud of the week. But then I was like, that's always Mario because he's always a fraud. Uh, but this this is a pretty big one um, for our for our secondary fraud. Uh, almost worth being called the main one. But again, Mario has been a fraud his whole life. So it, I think this has just been the last 20 years on this guy. But there's an ESPN article out about the Iowa football program. And, you know, I really appreciate the article. I think Adam Rittenberg and Michelle Steele are the writers of it. So shout out to them for uh, just purely reporting factual encounters and not putting their opinion in anything. We pretty much don't have any reporters like that anymore that actually just report factual items because that's their job is to report things, not give me their opinion about what they think they mean. So props to these two writers for really diving in extensive article on ESPN.com about Kirk Ferentz. I think that's how you say his last name. I mean, he's the head head coach at Iowa um, in Stanford's case to be the director, you know, the Iowa whatever director of football, whatever you want to call it. Um, but we have Kirk Ferentz, and then it, it relates to the strength coach, um, who Chris Doyle, who was dismissed uh, I want to say four or five months ago. Um, and he was the highest paid strength coach in FBS by far in any sport, actually. Um, and his, his dismissal, he got a $1.5 million severance or something like that. Some crazy buyout. Again, this is a strength coach. So, so think Aaron Felt, okay? So this guy, it stems from 2009 – Around that time, there was a receiver, uh, Darrell Johnson Koulianos, I believe is how you say his last name. Um, he was black, and he was a receiver there, <clears throat> and said that basically the strength coach was a racist. And not only does – and he actually says it more eloquently than that. I'm not giving him enough credit because he doesn't even say he's really a racist. He said he, he did some racial things, but he just thinks he's more of a bad guy. And I do think that's a comment, especially in this day and age. A lot of people just think, oh, that person's a racist. Well, I think they're just probably a bad person on top of that. They, they have racist comments. But I think more just to say they're a bad person. Um, and I think that's the case in, in this Chris Doyle thing. I mean, it started with this interview with this receiver who he – I believe he was late to a practice – um, or it was, it was some very small thing, like he was a few minutes late. Or, and there's also a thing about a guy spitting on the field, basically, and he, he got kicked out of practice, practice for spitting on the field. Um, but anyways, this receiver, 2009, late to practice, and the strength coach of all people, I don't know why the strength coach is delving out punishments either. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, and because this wasn't – I guess this wasn't the spring, but still – late to practice, and he makes this receiver jog around the field with a yellow trash can on his head. And, <laughs> and, and yeah, what? It's, it's, it's so out there. I'm like, what? And then to, to boot, there's recruits that are visiting the program watching this and parents that are visiting the program watching this. And somehow this flew all the way under the radar from 2009. 
And, and the article, and, and you really should read this article because it, it's too much to say on this program, but basically Kirk Ferentz, who's the longest tenured coach in the Big Ten, I think he's been there 25 years, a legendary coach, quote-unquote, he's a big fraud. He was best friends with Chris Doyle and basically didn't do anything about a ton of comments, a ton of racist things. I mean, and we're just not – we're talking about, again, people in Oregon think – uh, commenting on somebody who's just skin color is racist. This guy's going to this extreme of saying, oh, are you going to go rob a liquor store because you're wearing a hoodie? I mean, and because you're black, are you going to fix your hair because it looks, you have dreads? I mean, there's a ton of these comments that are horrible comments that we do not endorse whatsoever. Just want to make that clear. And that are racist that are basically putting this Iowa program that was people, the guys have called it oh, really stand up white, white boy program that are making these black players assimilate to these white players. Couldn't wear jewelry. They actually, and this is another crazy one, they could not have Twitter. If you played for Iowa football until 2019, you could not have a Twitter account. That was against the rules. You were kicked off the team if you had a Twitter account, which I thought was pretty crazy. Um, and there's other, there's a ton of other um, things that it goes into detail, but I think the biggest fraud of it all is this head coach, Kirk Ferenz, and he does nothing. And not only does he do nothing, but in 20, 2011, I think this was, 13 players went to the hospital for rhabdo, very similar to what happened at the University of Oregon, but quadruple that. 13 players go in for rhabdo after a workout, and then there's a quote-unquote independent investigation. And not only do... Does the strength coach, Chris Doyle, not get fired? He doesn't even get reprimanded for anything. And not only that, the same year he gets named by the head coach as their top – as he gets their assistant coach of the year award and a $1 million bonus after this year of sending 13 players to the hospital for Rabdo. So take that all into account. The Iowa football program is filled with frauds. Completely fraudulent. Apparently, this was also reported. Kirk Ferentz had an open-door, quote-unquote, policy, whatever that means. And guys reported that Chris Doyle, the strength coach, over and over, and he did nothing, basically, about it. Um, then there was an article about, you know, the 2009 – same article, but 2009, they won the Orange Bowl. So they invited people to come back 10 years later for kind of a reunion – and this receiver who made these complaints was invited back. And then he was about – it was two days before the event. And then Kirk Ferenz, the strength coach, said – or the head coach said, you're not welcome back on the campus. <laughs> and so they rescinded his invitation. And it just goes on. Read the article. But, again, full frauds, Iowa football program. And I don't know how Ferenz even has a job. I don't even know who the president is of this school, but he should be fired. Because apparently it's all documented, all reported, and they finally – hired an outside firm to investigate all this. And this has come up in the past year. And, but of course they won't comment on it. And it's like, it's such a joke. And, and, and apparently again, Chris Doyle strength coach there for 20 years was the Kirk Ferenz's best friend. So similar to Mario and Aaron felt their best friends. So who knows what's going on? You know, let's just put it that way. Use your imagination at Oregon but you can see what's going on at Iowa. And then there's another stat of that Kirk Ferenz never hired a person of color to be a offensive or defensive coordinator his whole time there. 
which he's been there for 25 years. That's pretty insane. And then it's like 10% or 15% of the coaches he's ever had were people of color. I mean, that's just not – one, that's stupid, okay? But two, it's not right just in you, – you have to adjust to who your players are and have – just like any good company, I think of the football team the same way. You have to have leaders and people in positions of power that, that represent fully not just in looks – and, and skin color, but your social, social economic status, your where they're from, everything. You have to have people in leadership that look like the people that are under those leaders, you know, and that are like those people in, in all those different ways. Again, not just looks, but all the different things in our society, diversity, inclusion, all that. It's important to have people that um, share those characteristics in leadership of the people that are on the team. And to just not have that one, he's just, again, stupid but irresponsible. And so read the article full of fraudulent things. I, I, again, this takes, this is on the top of my list right now. Cause I just don't know how this guy still has a job. The head coach, I am shocked that he still has this job, but I'm sure that he will, you, you know, be considering retirement in the next few weeks um, in quotes. So anyways, there's that. And, you know, they, they've taken some steps and quote unquote formed committees and all that, but, a lot of players just say it's kind of smoke on it. However, it, it's interesting, and this is why I really like this article. Micah Hyde, who Buffalo Bills safety now, um, drafted by the Packers originally out of Iowa, said that basically the strength coach was a racist, but he was a really good coach and made him get to the NFL. So I, I just I, – I'm not saying that's okay at all. I'm saying that's bad. But it is just, again, good reporting, including a comment in there saying – yeah, I think this guy was not a good person and probably a racist. However, he's a really good coach. I'm thankful for him on, on, on two ends of the spectrum here. So, again, great reporting by these two people. And, again, check it out. Completely fraudulent. And Mario is just a fraud. And, again, kind of a similar relationship he has with his strength coach. So just look for that in the future. Right, you still there? I'm still here. Okay, cool. Whew. Speechless, right. I know. I'm just thinking. Do I need to read the article now? Is what I'm wondering. Oh, you got to read it. It was extended, and I don't apologize for it. (laughs) I appreciate it. I just want to say, too, that uh, read into this what you will, but I'm pretty sure George Kittle went to Iowa. And um, I know it's not PC to say or whatever, and, you know, defamation cases at an all time high. He looks like a racist. I don't know. He looks like one. (laughs) I don't know if he is. I'm just saying he looks like one, okay? It's our show. We can do what we want. No, We get no money out of this. We have Our sponsors aren't real, in case you guys haven't figured that out. Um, so, yeah, I said what I said. I don't know. That's just what he looks like, okay? So back off. I'm just saying. Tell I'm proven otherwise. Thank you, Con Man. Appreciate it. We're going to move ahead to our Floor is Your segment, where we each get a uh, minute to commentate on a topic of our choosing. So fire away. What do you guys have? We'll start with Brat, uh, since we'll give Connor a second to catch his breath. Uh, I return to my land of baseball yet again. Uh, the only person that will talk about that on this podcast. Well, Andy occasionally. That was Major- the other fraud. That was the other fraud thing I was thinking of talking about. Major League Baseball. Anyways, thanks, Brat. Major League Baseball. Uh, <laughs> right now, the Miami Marlins are not playing any baseball until Sunday as up to 17 players now have uh, tested positive for coronavirus. 
They had their first player test positive on Sunday, and in a group message, the team elected to continue playing. They played Sunday against the Phillies, and then on Monday, 11 tested positive uh, for COVID. They canceled that game, and then they canceled the Yankees-Phillies game, I think, was the next one. Um, now the MLB is shuffling it around, having – uh, teams play different teams. Um, we're not sure what's going to come up, what happens at the end of the year, because there's not that many days off to make up six games like this. Does Miami play less games than everyone else? And then for playoff implications, uh, percentage of winning, minimum number of games need to be played. All of this just brings to mind, how the heck is the NFL going to be able to do it? If the MLB, which has much more social distancing in the uh, way players play uh, already has one team half infected. How is the NFL going to do it? The other teams, the other or sporting leagues have the bubble in effect, and the NFL has elected not to do that. So um, I'm even curious if the MLBs will – I mean, before this, I thought for sure they'd finish out a season. It'd be just fine. Post this, um, I don't know if they're going to be able to finish the season. I think they will. I, I give it an 80% chance, but I have a lot of doubts now having seen Corona just run through an entire organization so quickly, like the Marlins getting 17 players diagnosed in two days or three days. I think we're going to find out real quickly if this is a Marlins problem or the NMLB problem. Uh, we're going to find that out soon. So far they're saying nobody else – on the other team says has tested positive uh, since the last time they ran them. So we're, we're going to find that out, but wouldn't put it past the Marlins just to be that team that messes it up or some, you know, especially a team from Florida. I mean, that just goes without saying. So yeah, appreciate you. I wonder if Lou Williams and Miami Marlin players got together and went <laughs> out together for wings or not. Probably. Hey, magic city, great wings. Best, best in the biz. <laughs> yep. They Con, actually, so uh, on that topic, that's fun. Uh, Magic City actually has a wing sauce named after Lou Williams. So mm. not not that I endorse him. I think he's kind of a fraud. I mean, I'm sorry, but just order takeout. Anyways, um, <clears throat> but they do have a sauce named after him, and they have it named after two other guys. Oh, Jeff, they have a Jeff Horny sauce. <laughs> after Jeff Hornacek, and then it's gosh, there's one other one that's really funny. I forget. I'm not remembering right now. <laughs> so, anyways, it's a good one. Um, my one piece. I think the MLB is fraudulent. They're they're just stupid. I don't. I think their plan was half baked. I mean, you see the the NBA's plan. Nothing. It, the only thing that's going wrong is the players being, you know, showing their intelligence level. That's about it. So, you know, they're they're doing great. And they actually – the other thing, it seems like the MLB has no plan on what to do if there is a outbreak because all these teams now are refusing to go play the Marlins. It's amazing. Which I'm like, it must be pretty bad because the Marlins suck. Um, but all the in the NBA, they have a plan – to quarantine these people, um, do the 10-day thing. If they leave the campus, they, they do X, Y, Z. I mean, it's very matter-of-fact and straightforward, and I haven't seen any of that from the MLB, but it's a joke. So 
I, I mean, I tried. I'm not going to lie. This I tried to watch. I'm so desperate. I, I know everybody is right now for sports, and I'm so desperate for sports. I bought my – I upgraded my Hulu subscription. I was off of Hulu Live, and I put it back literally to watch MLB baseball and to even watch the Giants versus the Dodgers opening day. This is no joke. This is about 6 o'clock, and I'm just sitting down, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this. I'm so focused, and I was, like, excited. I had waited up for it. I'm not even joking without and – I, and I actually was drinking a Coke at the time. Literally within an inning, I fell asleep. I fell asleep <laughs> to this game because the MLB is such a joke, and it's so boring. And it's so boring. I don't care who you are, if you like baseball – you know that it's boring at some point, okay? And and Brody will even admit, and he likes baseball. It, it, he, he's not going to watch every single 162 games. It's too boring, okay? It's so boring. Nobody can convince me otherwise, period. And again, I tried it actually again, game three, and the Giants actually won game three. Fell asleep, same thing. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, college baseball, way different. Give them props. College baseball, way different. I can do that. But MLB, I cannot do it at all. I, I just can't. There you go. Thank you for that, Connor. I mean, yeah, I I like baseball, but I've always been for 162 games is way too much. We should see how the 60-game season goes and uh, maybe look for that in the future because it is just too too long. So and I'll give the, you that. That's the other thing, Andy. I thought 60 oh. games, oh, it's going to be a lot more – there's going to be a lot more competition. They're going to matter. Every game's going to matter. Nope. <laughs> there's not more competition? What, what do you mean? It's because the there's same, no fans? I, I thought – I know. I <laughs> thought it would be – I thought it would be more like the playoff atmosphere, which, oh, you got to do all the stuff, make all the moves, you know. Run no, really hard to first base. Games. It's not One 12. Run really hard to first base. You know, basically be like college baseball where they actually care. No, they don't care. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, sharing your opinion. I just want to say uh, I've got I got a few things. Little little hodgepodge. Yes, the Mariners are back. That's fun. They're one and three. Who cares? Totally expected. They're the youngest roster in the MLB. It's fun watching the young guys. Kyle Lewis is hammering the ball. He's a good watch, and. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed having them back. Stoked for the Blazers on Friday. Big one uh, right off the bat against the Grizzlies. One o'clock Friday. Tuning in for that. Very exciting. NBA is back. What else do we have here? Um, hmm, I'm trying to think. Oh, Charles Barkley said if he's ever in the area again or next time he goes back, he's definitely going to that place for the wings because they must be magic pretty damn city. good magic magic city. city he said they must be pretty damn good to give up that much um for him so yeah i, I gotta say they, they they must be onto something there but really all in all it's great to have sports back and uh, we're still navigating these waters yeah we'll see what happens with baseball and the marlins thing it's going to be interesting with football since they're not doing the bubble and uh, how how travel and all that works. And then also you're starting to see players opt out, which is a little bit shocking to me. The Patriots have six people opting out. I think Belichick's got some weird thing going on there that he's trying to get a <laughs> trying to trying to get an advantage or something. Uh, yep. and like maybe they miss like the first half of the season that they decide they're no longer opting opting out for the playoffs. That's a push. good call. That's a good call, Andy. Yeah. Say fresh bodies. I could totally see him doing that. Fresh bodies. 
Um, so keep an eye on that as some bigger names uh, opt out. Keep, keep your eye out for that. Uh, and then, um, yeah, just keep watching, keep a pulse on these the scheduling like we talked about at the top with Oregon State, the Pac-12, see how that comes out if the NFL stays on track. But everybody's watching baseball and the NBA like a hawk at this point just to see how it goes, if it's feasible and what things look like. So that's really all I got. I'm glad sports are back. Thank you for joining us. It's been a fun one. Just want to let you guys know this week's show was once again brought to you by Phil's Landscaping. Avoiding reality can be productive. Con, you got anything to add? Uh, I will say I noticed that two NFL players, interesting opting out. And just the range of guys opting out. A lot of people opting out because they have kids that are young, you know. And then the other guy, the tackle for the Chiefs, opting out to be a frontline worker. Props to him. It's an interesting time. I don't know if they still get paid. Andy, can you research that? Because, heck, if I still got paid, I'd opt out. <laughs> why, 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 why get paid to have my body torn to shreds when I can get paid and sit at home? True. I think they do get some of it, at least. Um, there's some clause in there with what they just worked out, and that's why some players are doing it. So, yeah, or I, I don't know. They, they, I think they recoup some of it. I don't know if it's everything. On, I think – I don't know. Yeah, you're seeing both some some high-paid players or more household names as well as guys that you're like, who who are you? You were on the team. I didn't even – were you going <laughs> to even make the team? Um so, yeah, it's, it's a mix of people right now. I'll have to look into that. Yep, Mario's a fraud. Perfect. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week. We'll catch you guys next time. Mario's a fraud. <laughs>